All right, ladies and gentlemen, what's good? Man, hope you're having a great evening. And once again, welcome to We Create Music TV. This is, of course, our interview segment where we, you know, sit down with music industry professionals, artists, producers, etc. But you know the deal, you've seen some of the episodes. But today, man, we got my guy, three-time Grammy-nominated artist, producer, songwriter, James Worthy. Let's give it up. My dude, my dude. What's good, brother? What's going on, man? How you doing? Oh man, I'm good. I am I'm 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 fantastic. I'm great. Awesome. I'm, I'm great. Man, so for those of you know, people who are watching who don't know who you are, which I'm surprised if they if they don't, but because I've been following you for for a while. And so, man, just kind of just you know, as an introduction, walk us through your musical story. How did you begin and you know, kind of where you are now? Yeah, um, so I'm from Queens, New York, uh, by way of Atlanta now, but uh, it all started in New York. Uh, just a young kid being around music, man, just like different genres of music, you know, house, dance, of course, hip hop, R&B, soul, jazz. So it was kind of like I always tell people, it was like the inevitable for me to be in the music business or some uh, form of fashion with music because I've always been around it and I've been blessed to just be around the greats and you know legendary artists and just ogs in the game so it was kind of like uh i was molded to do what i do so to speak but uh that's where it started man um just being a music lover at a, at a very young age Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I was trying to switch back, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't let me switch back. I'm like, I didn't know what was going on there. Yeah, man. So that's kind of like, you know, how I got my start. You know, I fell in love with music from a very, very early age. You know what I'm saying? So, man, so, so talk about the, you know what I'm saying? Talk about the whole Michael Jackson thing. Like, talk about how it's, I don't even want to get, I, I'll let you talk about the whole Michael Jackson thing. So, um, basically, I was already a huge Michael Jackson fan, uh, you know, at an early age. This is when this happened. This was probably around 10 or 11 years old. And um, one day I was just with my dad. We uh, I believe we were in Jersey and uh, we ended up uh, driving to the city, uh, which I didn't really know what the occasion was. It was just more so he told me we were going to go somewhere. And mm. I'm like, all right, cool. So we go into the city. We, we ride through Manhattan and we end up at Webster Hall. And um, when we get there, there's like a ton of people waiting outside. There's tour buses out there, you know, so obviously with some type of event going on. I didn't know what it was until we actually um, went inside Webster Hall and it turned out to be a Michael Jackson event. And I didn't really know what that event was. I'm like, what's this? So um, it was some type of award show that was uh, going on for him. Uh, he, was, he was there to accept an award. But uh, before he came on stage, it was like a, a whole show lined up for him. So they had Michael Jackson impersonators and all kind of different <laughs> It was crazy. So we end up going backstage um, to the green room where he was. And uh, he pretty much just opened the door. And when he opened the door, he just kind of like looked at us up and down for like a minute. And he asked my dad, is, is this your son? And he was like, yeah. Then he looked at me up and down about another minute. And he was like, wow, he just he got that look to him. Like, I know he's going to be a star in his business. Like, I just wow. feel that. And my dad, wow. he didn't really know that either. Like, you know, I was just young and shocked. I didn't even know mm -hmm. what to do. So that was kind of like, you know, the initial uh, interaction with him, which I mean, that in itself was crazy to me. But um, it was just like the, the stamp of approval. Mm. For me, you know, moving on into the industry, I was like, if you get a stand for Michael Jackson, I mean, right. you don't really need nothing else. Right. Like, man, like, how, like, how did that, how did that whole thing come about? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, did your dad have like free tickets? No, I'm just saying like, like, that's a, so, one, that's a, that's a crazy, a crazy you know meetup. Well, my dad, he did a lot of security work for a oh, lot okay. of uh, acts. And, uh, you know, just public figures. So uh, he was just invited to go to that event that night. And uh, mm. lo and behold, Michael Jackson events, it was something that he knew I couldn't pass up because I was a big Michael Jackson fan. So right. 
yes, the stars aligned that night. Hey, that's dope. That's dope. Now, growing up, Michael, huge Michael Jackson fan. Did you have the, you know, the Thriller jacket, Beater jacket? You know what? I, I didn't have to. Th- I didn't have the Thriller jacket, but um, you know, I was trying to get my loafers and my white, <laughs> you know, and the little, uh, you know, the black little blazer jacket or whatever I could find. You know, that's that was my rendition of them. Mm. But for some reason, I, I could never find that Thriller jacket. You know, oh I, man. I still, Day so I could at least frame it up or something. That's what I'm saying. I think my mom bought me like a generic version of the, you know, yeah, the Thriller jacket and the Beater jacket. You know what I'm saying? Like I had the one with the, all the zippers, but I think it was like 20 bucks versus like the real, but it didn't matter. Like I cherish that jacket. Like I cherish that jacket. I cherish, I think she went and got like a Michael Jackson, like a, you know, kid costume starter kit or something. But it had the jacket, it had the gloves, it had the, the loafers. Oh. And so, oh, yeah. And then, and then, <laughs> And then she gave me a uh, a Michael Jackson off the wall album cover. Mm, okay. No no album. Just oh, oh. just just the album cover. She kept the album. She was like, "Yeah, you can't have the album cover." <laughs> she was like, "You can't have you can't have the album cover." <laughs> That's funny. I mean, you can't have the album, right? Yeah, that was that was so crazy. But I kept that for like the longest, the long because my mom and Michael Jackson were kind of born around the same same time frame you know what i'm saying so she was a huge michael jackson fan but i mean if you get a nod you know from michael jackson that's like yeah yeah man i mean you know once in a lifetime opportunity you know in my eyes so i mean that was that was just really i always tell people that was like one of the defining moments that made me really want to get into the music industry like you know that that really was one of those moments Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I bet. That's that's still a crazy moment, though, because I know people who who I've never seen Michael Jackson in person, like ever. You know what I'm saying? And so I know if I would ever saw Michael Jackson, like, yeah. It'll... You would think that it would have been like that for me. But I mean, literally, I, I just couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know what to do. It was just kind of like mm-hmm. me at such a young age. Right. And then when you meet him. It's kind of like you you froze, you stuck, right. you know, like mm-hmm. he's the only person ever in my life that I've been that starstruck. Wow. Wow. Like, and yeah. I've been around the best of the best. I work with the best of the best, mm-hmm. but just, he was that one person that I was just stuck. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can imagine. I can definitely imagine that. So, so originally from, from Queens, right? Concrete jungle. You know what I'm saying? Then you end up moving to, to Atlanta. And so, so doing music in both scenes, right? In New York and doing music in, in the Atlanta scene. What are some of the differences, you know, just from a, a, a musical perspective? Because East City kind of has their own culture, subculture when it comes to, to music. So what were some of the major differences that you've seen? And then how does, you know, being from New York influence the music that you do today living in Atlanta? You know what? When I uh, when I make music, I don't really like put it in categories or or even any type of uh, box. You know, like when I make stuff, it, it really comes from like what I feel or like uh, a genuine place. So even though I am from New York and, and I've traveled the world and I've you know created in in all different types of places, it never really was about like just because I was from New York, I would want to make like a New York sound or or whatever specifically. Like like when I create, if I felt like I wanted to make something house dance, then that's what would come out. Or if I wanted to make something strictly R and B soul, then mm-hmm. it would be that or pop or whatever the case was. So and I never really felt into that fell into that uh that box of well you need to make something to be popular or you need to make something that's on the radio right now that's that's um, most uh, known for right now. Like I never mm. wanted that person. Like I always wanted to like innovate and I always wanted to like open up the envelope, you know, from the ones, uh, well, the people that inspired me coming up, mm-hmm. you know? So Quincy Jones and your, your Nile Rogers and Pharrell Williams and Organized Noise and Q-Tip, Jay Dilla, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And like Max Martin, you know, just mm. just a lot of creative people. You know, that, those are the ones that I looked up to for for me to be inspired right. to 
I do. You know what I mean? Right. But not try to emulate them in the process. You know, and I think that's a good thing because I think most people kind of have difficulties with that. Trying to still be innovative, still be creative, not fit inside of a box and still yeah. be relevant in the music industry today. Because it is, it is yeah, difficult, you know, because you get pulled in so many different ways. And, you know, again, they try to persuade you to do what's popular or what's in right now. Mm -hmm. And that can be difficult. It really, yeah. it really can be. Difficult. And sometimes it's going to be hard in the beginning. Like it was definitely hard for me in the beginning of my career because, again, I wasn't doing what was popular. So it was hard for me to place records. Or mm. it, was hard, it was hard to get into rooms with certain artists because I just didn't have, quote unquote, what these labels wanted or what the A&R executives wanted. You know, so I'm like, mm. well, I'm not going to compromise what I do. So let me at least try to find artists that complement me and let's work together to build something great. Mm. Or I took the other approach of producing in every genre that I possibly can. Because that, for one, is not putting me in the box. And number two, something's going to stick. You right. know what I mean? So if that thing sticks, then now I have some legs to stand on. That's right. And 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 one of the things that I'm, I do want to ask you a little bit later is all about versatility, right? And so, I mean, we can talk about it now. But, uh, you know, for you, not getting into that box allows you to be versatile and to be flexible and to operate in many different different genres, right? I mean, you mentioned Quincy Jones, now Rogers, Max Martin. And I don't even know how many people know who Max Martin is, but they should. This, this dude oh, yeah. has written some of the biggest hits. Say that again? I was saying, you're talking about some pop music. Yeah. <laughs> you're talking about the king of pop music as far as putting out hits? Max Martin. Max Between Max yeah. Martin and Dr. Luke, I don't know. I'm, I still got to go with Max Martin. Goodbye. Hey. He's in that list too. Dr. Luke Diplo. Man, come on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I read a book a while ago, a couple years ago, called The Song Machine. And mm -hmm. it talks about, uh, you know, uh, the origins of Max Martin and Dr. Luke. And uh, I can't remember the guy's name who was who was Mac, Max Martin's mentor. Uh, but it talks about him and how he started this huge songwriting movement over in Sweden. And Max Martin mm -hmm. was a part of that. And how they just cranked out hits after hit after hit. And of course, you know, for people who kind of know and follow Max Martin, Dr. Luke was a mentee of, uh, of Max Martin, right? So man, that's, just, that's just crazy, you know, to be, to still stay versatile because today, in today's music industry, I don't think many people operate from versatility. I think they operate from necessity to crank out music and to, you know, do what's popping versus trying to be flexible. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think it's just, you know, so so on that same vein, how do you stay versatile, you know, even in this time today? You know, what are some things that you do to ensure that you stay versatile and creative uh, in these, I don't even want to say COVID time because it's not just COVID. It's, at, it's just in these times. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, well, for me, you know, maybe I'll use COVID as an example. Uh, I think COVID tried to knock us down, especially as artists and creatives to where we had to really like go back to the drawing board and be as creative as, as we possibly can because there were certain like necessities that we had that were taken away. Like we can't go on a road, we can't tour, we can't have regular studio sessions like we used to, we can't go to the radio stations, et cetera. So, it was more so like, okay, now I have to figure out other ways to be creative, musically, professionally, uh, even content-wise, because it's a content game right now. So mm -hmm. all those things was kind of like putting a pot for me. And I'm like, okay, how do I keep my relevancy, but still be creative as possible, still trying to innovate my sound? And then also too, I had to keep in mind that as a not only a musician but an artist you're still growing hmm. you know what i mean especially for me i'm still a growing artist so it was like i was still in that process so it really didn't change much it was just me having more time to really devote to like being more creative you know mm -hmm. so i'm like 
to hit, I got more time to write. I got more time to produce. I got more time to develop song structure and become, you know, the best version of James Worthy I could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, I haven't used my gems. Cause you said a couple of things already that fall into that, that gym category, but I think people need to, because I don't think we're going to go back. I don't think, we, I don't think what we, what we used to do, what people you know, classify as being normal is what we're going to go back to. I think it's going to be more of a hybrid, right? We may do some things like we used to do, but I think it's going to be more of a hybrid because people are still going to have that stigma of, I don't, don't, don't come near me. I don't know what you got. Right. And so, a lot of people are going to be more conscious about it. And I think it's going to be more of a hybrid perspective where we're doing things like this, interviewing over technology, uh, doing concerts over technology uh, and getting people to come in. And I think I think people need to start figuring that part out now. You know, you said COVID, tried, it did. It tried to knock us down. It, you know, and for yeah. me, I was doing interviews face to face right here you know, in Atlanta. I was doing interviews face to face. I had guests come over to the to the house and we had to set up. And we and so I had to adjust. And I think that a lot of artists are going to have to do that and they're going to have to find themselves figuring out how to utilize technology to help further what they do. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I think for those that don't kind of like like some of the companies that, you know, we that were but are no longer, you know, when you think of companies that didn't change with the you know with the times or with technology they just kind of got pushed to the to the side yeah. you know what i'm saying like and so i think if people don't kind of grasp this now and understand how they can use this medium of technology to further what they do man i don't see people do something crazy. i have a cousin who lives here too uh by the name of superstar six he's he's an artist and this dude did a whole concert right in his crib smoke machine lights everything and it was it was dope it was so dope. And we, I sat there and watched the whole thing. I'm texting him like, yo, Mark, that's dope. But I think people need to start doing that and, and looking at how they can further themselves from, you know, this medium. But, you know, that's just that's just my thoughts about the whole the whole COVID thing. And I totally agree you know. with you, man. I mean, you know, again, as as creatives, it definitely put us at a at a same playing field, man. Like everybody's mm -hmm. just trying to figure it out, you know, that's right. We don't in the past or, or when things are you know are gonna go back to some uh, type of normalcy but hey in the meantime you gotta you gotta keep pushing and, and keep grinding and trying to you know be as creative and innovative as possible with your audience yes because like you said it's content everything is content heavy and people i mean yeah. people don't have a lot of places to go so they're on youtube consuming tons of content, right? Matter of fact, for those who watch it, make sure you hit that like button and subscribe to, to this channel, right? <laughs> but I mean, but you know, but seriously, it's like people got a lot of time on their hands, you know, to do things that they probably didn't have time to do to do before. And it could be easy, it could be tougher, but I kind of like what we talked about. I think people need to be really considerate of what, how they're gonna use this time. Cause it, I'm, it ain't gonna go back the same. Like, I don't know what everybody's looking at. It's never going to be the same as it used to be. I think, you know, we'll we'll slowly start transitioning into some type of normalcy, but it will never be the same as it once was. And that's and that's the crazy part, you know. And, mm -hmm. you know it goes into a bigger conversation, too, because I used to tell people all the time years ago that things are going to be more digital than it ever was. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? This is the result of it. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, I we're, it's probably going to go into like when it comes to like shows for artists, I think it's going to be like probably maybe still live show formats, but a lot of it is going to go virtual. Mm hmm. Right. You can watch yeah. your, You can watch the concert, right? You can watch the James Worthy concert on HBO Max. <laughs> yeah, yep. I, I think it's going to be. Yep. Yeah, I, I do. I think they're going to start doing uh, and Netflix kind of started doing some stuff like that, but I, I think they're going to start to expand to kind of do, and you know, that'll be great for somebody to capitalize on that too. Hold on, let me figure out how to do that. Wait. Capitalize <laughs> on that is to, is to kind of figure out how to, I'm going to keep that to myself. Let me, I'm going to figure that out. <laughs> yes. I got to figure that. I got to figure that part out. Yep. So see, now I'm sitting there thinking about it. I know. Get out, get out of, get out of here. 
for right now. All right, right. We, we should have got that over. <laughs> Man, because once I start thinking about something, it it's going to consume consume that brain. So, so I mean, so so you you're in all different types of genres, creating all different types of music, working with all different types of of artists from multi uh, from different backgrounds and different walks different walks of life, right? So. What would you, how would you describe the temperature? And I guess I would just focus on hip hop and R&B, I guess. And you can speak on other genres uh, if you would like to. But okay. what, what do you think about the temperature of the, the culture of R&B and hip hop music today? Uh, you know what, I think, it, well, I look at it two ways. I look at it as the creative side is actually pretty dope to me in the sense of you know, there's a lot of genre bending going on. There's a lot of, um, you know, creativity, you know, with uh, how things sound sonically, you know, uh, different mixing techniques, different ways of uh, using your voice, uh, you know, just in the in the technical aspect, I think it's been really, really dope. I think it does certain songs and a lot of uh, bodies of work nowadays do lack like the the content, you know, a lot of people don't really talk about much you know so the the substance of, of uh you know lyrical content has been lacking uh with certain things but for the most part it's been kind of cool to me i mean i you know i'm not one to be stagnant like you you can never keep doing the same thing over and over you know what i mean like mm. like you ever hear when somebody says oh i like the old person i like well i like when they used to I like the this. old kanye I like the old Kanye. Right. I like the, right. And, and when I hear people say it, I'm like, you expect this man to, to recreate some of his best works? Mm. That's what made him Kanye West. Mm-hmm. But you can't you can't recreate that. You can't go back in time and, and recreate that. Like that was just a moment in time. You have to continue going and moving forward and innovate yourself and change. You know what I mean? So that's my thing is like, I think music is changing and evolving. Now, whether you like it or not, that's a different conversation, but I do feel evolving. Uh, In my opinion, for the better, not everything is great, but I do like most of it. Right, I agree. I agree with that. I think people, I think we get stuck with an image of our artists in a moment in time that we we may have gelled with them the most and mm-hmm. that's kind of how we want them to stay right like i would love for my kids to stay you know 10. i mean they were they weren't you know a, a, a teenager yet where they couldn't talk back and do all the crazy stuff but they weren't a little kid they were still cute and adorable and it was like oh man look at it but people grow people develop people mature and that's kind of what you want from an artist you want them to continuously innovate and create and to grow, you know, as as an artist, I wouldn't expect for someone who's 20 to still be talking about the same things that he or she is talking about at 35. Exactly. You know, what I'm saying like like there should be some growth and some some develop personal development that takes place out of that. So their music should evolve, should evolve as well. You know what I'm saying? Like it it just should. And the people who are listening to that music should be evolving and growing as well with, with those artists. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, I, I feel you on that. Um, but I do agree. I like some of the stuff that's out now. Some kind of like, eh. Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> you, got the, you got the ones that, you know, ain't really saying much, but then you got a lot of artists that are really talented and, mm-hmm. and, message and they are talking about different things. So that's right. There's, there's music out there for everyone. You know, uh, I, sometimes you just got to go look for it. And that's true. Sometimes you have to go look for it. And, th- and that's one of the reasons why I don't really listen to radio, because they kind of play the same thing. I have a playlist on my phone that I listen to, and then I may check out some. If somebody tells me about somebody else, cool. If I'll go listen to Spotify, and that's kind of how where I find other stuff that people kind of don't know about. But yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. Like, you have Absolutely. to. Sometimes artists get lost in the shuffle and or, you know, you might even see an artist that's that's rising, but they may not be on mainstream radio or mm-hmm. they're not face as other artists yet. You know what I mean? Right. So and I hear that a lot, too, you know, just because an artist is not 
on mainstream radio at the time or they're not on the front page of Apple or Spotify or something like that, they feel mm-hmm. like there's no good artists out or there's nobody doing anything. I'm like, man, yeah. there's tons of great artists. You know what I mean? Like you just, you need to just look. That's right. Yeah, you didn't, You need to just look. Like, you know, oh man, there's a guy that I follow. I had him on the show before. Uh, his name is Dash, uh, Nashby. Mm-hmm. Man, he, he I, I would say for an independent unknown artist, this dude has the hustle of a person who has, I'm telling you, this, he is this, he's, yeah, he is an artist that is, that, that's doing it. Yeah, Nashby is, is yeah, that dude is, he's on fire. He just dropped, he, and what I love about it, and this is what I love about it, is because he's hungry. You know what I'm saying? Like, and there's other artists out there who are hungry too, but I've definitely taken note of as, as to what he's been doing lately. He's hungry and he's been, even in these COVID times, even in these police brutality times, all of this whole state that we live in in America, he constantly is kicking out content and making moves and providing value from a musical perspective. He's every time I'm like, yo. Amazing. I, I, I mean, you know, that's commendable because, you know, sometimes artists don't do that, you know, mm-hmm. or they start off good and then they fall off. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? They're, uh, they're not consistent. You know, that's the right. biggest thing is consistency. So hats off to him for that, man, because trust me, it's not an easy thing yeah. to do. It is not an easy thing. <laughs> it is not an easy thing to do. You know, so so speaking of music, right? So I'm going to talk about about your music because it's, it's number five that comes out of there. Uh, but before we actually talk about, you know, the, the details of, of the actual songs, can you just talk about your philosophy behind your creative process? Right. What gets you motivated to create music? Uh, and, and, you know, just talk about about that process. I'll I'll let you do that. Uh, well, I'm pretty simple, to be honest with you. Um, usually my process is just once I have a idea or, you know, some type of uh, concept in my head, I usually start off with melodies. So melodies is like the, the core to all of my records. You know, once I got the melody, then the words kind of come after that. Uh, and then I'll form the production around that. Or, you know, I have my producers kind of, uh, uh, whip me up something that you know feels good with it and then i just kind of put the puzzle together after that um but the melody is like the biggest thing for me because mm. melody are what like drive songs for me at least for my for my own uh because that's what like that's what makes me feel good to want to even record the song like mm. if i don't really have a strong melody then i'm not really going to be too invested in finishing the song, so to speak, mm-hmm. right? That's usually how I start. Okay. Yeah, you know, most people kind of have, you know, their, their you know, process of how they make music. Oh, I do drums, or I do melodies, you know what I'm saying? You know, but is there anything that you do that, that is outside of music that aids or contributes to your creativity? Hmm. Well, I just, you know, whenever I write, it's it's really like whatever either I'm going through or whoever's closest to me at that time of what either they're going through that might mm. resonate with me or like similar uh, situations that I might just see randomly. Like, oh, that, that sounds like me or that sounds like something that, that I witnessed or I went through a couple months ago or whatever, mm. you know, tons of that with COVID going on. You know, it's stuff going on all the time. So mm-hmm. I've had ample amount of time just to write so many different aspects of things. So it's really been that, just like analyzing things, analyzing people, just going through life. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I had uh, the guests on the show on Monday, uh, Solstice, and we kind of talked about that, about the realism in music and creating music from a, a real place. You know, we hear a lot of stuff that's going on now in music that's kind of like, you ain't really do that. You're not really living that life kind of like that. You know, and we got into conversation talking about, and this is my opinion, but you know, the, one of the best albums I've ever heard that really comes from a place of, of realness was Mary J. Blige's My Life. And that, that album just, 
was a culmination of all her experiences and pain and struggles and situations she was going through at that time that spoke to well spoke to me and it spoke to a lot of different people right and so I think the best music kind of even like what you're saying comes from that place whether it's something that's happening to you something that's happening to the people that you are close to kind of like the whole Jermaine Dupri and, and Usher thing right I don't know if people even know that uh, they probably do yeah. but you know the whole confessions thing and so yeah. you know that was a no that was everybody knows so I can say it that was a Jermaine Dupri situation that was going on but they wrote it for Usher and Usher killed it you know, and I, like I said, I think those that makes the best song. And that's that's all. That's really all music is. It's just mm-hmm. experiences, tribulations. It's you know sometimes it's what other people go through that you know might be similar to your situation or you know wh- whatever the case is. So music is always supposed to come from a real place. It's supposed to come from a real place, and I think people kind of gravitate towards music that they feel and that has meaning for them. Now, it's cool to have, you know, the booty shaking music. Yeah, we that here and there, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah we need it here and there. Me, hey, you know, I need to go to the club and get it out of my head. So you need, you need that 808 bounce. To, you That's know, right. That's right. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing but, wrong you know, with it. When it comes to real songs and real music, that's, that's where it comes from, from, right. from the core how you really touch somebody that's right hey so so what do you think about that uh silk sonic uh song that they just came out with i love it oh my gosh i'm a big anderson pack fan uh and i'm a bruno mars fan too but uh i I love anderson pack man he's Mm -hmm. he's he's definitely um an eclectic artist very talented uh talented musician as well um so Mm -hmm. i think i mean I mean, as soon as I saw him, and as soon as I heard him, I I'm know. Like, oh, yeah. oh, oh man. As soon as I heard it, I was like, oh. I, look, I listened to the whole thing. And I, I, told, I called the wife. I was like, yo, come here. Listen to this song right here. And she listened to it. She was like, oh, my gosh. This song is like like butter. It's like velvet. It's like smooth. It's like silk. I was like, yeah, Silk Sonic. That's right. I said, that's the name. Um, yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I love the concept. I, I love mm-hmm. the group concept. I love the song concept. I mean... It's needed. It's neat. See, that's and see, that's the conversation I had with several people was that it was needed. We have yeah. a lot of different other music that's happening. But when yeah. that song came out, that was a much needed song. It was like a breath of fresh air within the, the hip hop R&B. And I say R&B, of course, in this sense, just community was to hear that. It kind of reminded me of uh, Childish Gambino's uh, Feels Like Summer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was just like, ah, that's what that's what music sounds like. Yeah, it yes. makes you feel, you know, that's that's the whole point of music, really, in my opinion, mm-hmm. just to feel good. You know what I mean? And that song made me feel good. And yeah. um, I love to see artists like them flourish. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's it's not. Um, I mean, from what that song sounds like or even their presentation, it's not something that, uh, from from my eyes, we don't know the backstory, but from my eyes, it doesn't seem forced seem, you know, out of place, or it's not like, oh, what are these two guys doing together? You know, it, right. it just, it works. Right. And you know, the sad part of the whole thing is that Bruno Mars got a lot of flack for that song. A yeah, lot Bruno of Mars, he gets a lot of flack for a lot of uh, his music. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's different reasons behind that. But, right. um, you know, how I look at it, man, is music is music. If music it feels good, if it sounds good, it doesn't matter who's singing it. That's right. And that song felt great. It felt, it felt amazing. But, man, enough about them. Let's talk about your music. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Let's, let's talk about this album that's getting ready to drop here. And so, so kind of talk about the concept behind uh, Once a Fairy Tale and uh, just, just what was your idea and, and methodology behind that album? And uh, just kind of, talk, yeah, I'm excited for it. I can't wait to hear it. So, so basically, how I even got to Once a Fairy Tale was it's, it was basically a story and a buildup 
uh, from my first project, which was Blue Leisure that came out in uh, 2019. So Blue Leisure was like, it was a debut project. It was a, a concept theme project. It was what people call dark R&B. So a lot of experiences, a lot of trials and tribulations that I spoke about on that project. Uh, I got a chance to uh, collaborate with some great artists on there as well. So following up from that project, I put out Kaleidoscopes uh, in 2020. Mm-hmm. And it was basically a theme project as well, but just uh, more musical, um, you know, for me. And it was just like a continuation of the Blue Leisure project, uh, you know, sonically and story based. But, you know, those were just two EPs. So I'm like, okay, of course, I would need to do a debut album, but what would be the concept, what would be the story, and what would be the growth, right? Mm-hmm. So Once a Fairy Tale is the growth project because now I'm really showing people what I can do as a day de- a, a real debut full body of work, right? Mm-hmm. Once a fairy tale um concept came about because within my whole career my whole story it's kind of like what people would say unorthodox so it's not like the typical story of okay he's a producer and he just worked with a bunch of people and he had a bunch of success and that was that and then he's continuing to do it with me my story was kind of intricate to where like I started off as a songwriter, then I became a producer. And then at one point I was even managing artists. And then I turned into um, a recording artist, uh, which even even that aspect of my career has, a lot of people don't realize that's actually been planned. Mm. It's just that I'm a firm believer in timing. You know what I mean? So if I would have came out as a solo artist six, seven years ago, it wouldn't have been my time because, you know, you have to grow, you have to understand who you are as the entity, you know, what would be your, your lane. I had to learn that. And that's really what it was. So once a fairy tale is just like a pot of all of those things and created as a body of work. Wow. Yeah, that's, I think I don't know if people kind of think about their concepts of, of their projects in, in that in that fashion, right? So you have today that a lot of people they just want to drop a bunch of singles and you know without the creation of a full body of, of work. You know, so so I, I'm I'm gonna come back and comment on that, but I wanna ask a question. Do you feel that it's best to either drop albums, full bodies of work, EPs, albums, or to take the whole single approach? Uh, I think it depends on the artist. I, I think I think it depends on where you're at uh, in your career, mm-hmm. uh, at where you're at with your audience, uh, what what they feel they would want to hear or see from you. Uh, with me, I've been blessed to have an audience that stuck with me from the very beginning. You know, from the production and writing side to now. When I did transition into an artist, um, it wasn't really a hard transition. It was just kind of like, okay, he's doing his thing. And mm-hmm. a lot of people were for it, actually. So it was kind of like a smooth transition. So when I actually kind of when I came in as an artist, I gave him a full project off the back. So I, I think I kind of tailored my my solo career as a body of work type of artist because i'm more of a fan of that versus just singles you know what i mean like i love to listen to a whole project Mm -hmm. who you are as the artist and understand the, the, the sound and the sonic and you know where are you taking me you know is it is it a story that you're trying to tell me or you know what's what's the end goal with this so i think i kind of groom people with with me and me taking that approach um, and I mean, it's worked out for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Shoot. Heck yeah, I would say it worked out. 
Yes, you sir. Did. Yes, sir. But yeah, I mean, I, I I agree. I mean, it depends on what the where people are in their career, right? Whether you want to drop, you want to take the Russ approach and do, you know, a song a week, or if you want to drop, you know, you know, four EPs, you know, in the year. I mean, it just depends. You know I what I'm saying? So. You know, I've seen a couple artists, they put out maybe three, four projects in a year. And mm-hmm. then a couple of singles, maybe four or five singles. I'm like, man, that's that's a lot of music. That's you a know, lot of music. I mean, even, you know, how, how, I just, how do people even digest that? Mm. Yeah, know, because... It's, it's yeah, it's an interesting approach because, you know, back in the day when... You know, I'm a little, um, I'm saying, but back in the day when that, you know, when the artist was coming out, you know, like let's, let's take Rock Kim for an example, right? One of my favorite rappers, Rock Kim would drop an album and then two, three years later, the next album would come out because, you know, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll drop the album. They'll go on tour. They'll do all these different things. They'll maybe do a couple of features and then a couple of years later, boom, a new album. But exactly. today I think people are so... I don't know. I, I don't know the word I'm looking for. So um, I don't know. Just consumed. Well, I don't even know what, what the right word is I'm looking for. But it's like the constant need to keep your music in front of them in a vast sea of, of artists that are jockeying for position, right? Because there are when you look around, especially in Atlanta and LA and New York, everybody that you turn around is doing something. You know what I'm saying? Oh, what do you do? I'm an artist. It's your Uber driver. Oh, what do you do? I'm an artist. It's your waiter. You know what I'm saying? So I think people are like, well, all these this competition is out here. So I need to con- consistently put my music out all the time. And sometimes it's like, wait, wait a minute. You putting, yeah, are you putting I mean, too much you, out? I can understand that. But also, too, you know, you, you can't. Um, uh, how should I say? Um, you can't bombard people with a bunch of stuff either. You know what I mean? Mm. Like You got to reel people in with with new new music, new content, you know, you just can't, you know, drop a song every week and then mm-hmm. hope that something's going to stick or somebody's going to listen. Like, you know, you got to really put in the groundwork and build that audience and build, build those, uh, those loyal fans. Yeah. You know what I mean? Really like, okay, let me, well, let me listen to his first body of work to understand the type of artist he is versus, okay, I got to go listen to this project that project, that project, like, mm-hmm. I mean, at, at some point, they're going to get burnt out. Mm. Yeah. You know, and, and the thing that I kind of don't like is when you have tons of DMs from <laughs> from tons of artists. Hey, yo, check out my new song. You know, let me know what you think about it. And it's like, I don't even know who you are. Like, there's no context. No context. There's no, hey, how are you today? You know, kind of like what you're doing. Would you mind checking? No, there's no, con- this is just. Yeah, I, I hate know. that too. I, I, I tell people, I, I, yeah, I hate that. If you're gonna present something to somebody, you know, you need to come professional. You know, uh, just come with some type of uh, picture, or, or just tell who you are. You know what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, just come with somebody if if you're trying to get them to buy into what you're doing. You know what I mean? mm-hmm. like free, has to be on point. Yeah, you know, man, I got my own my own thoughts behind all of that. You know, I can go to a whole, a whole nother arena when it comes, when it comes to that. <clears throat> so let me go back to the, let me, so let me go back. Right. So once a fairy tale. So it, it comes out in April. I think I saw it comes out in April. I think I saw it in April. Um, actually the new, the new single entitled. Oh, the single. In the, That's uh, right. April 2nd. Um, and then the album, uh, once a fairy tale will probably release towards the summer. Okay. So we're looking June or July uh, for the album. So uh, right now we're just in a uh, development stage, you know, perfecting it, uh, mm. you know, or there's a great balance, you know, all that technical stuff. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I would probably say this is probably one of, one of my most eclectic projects. Definitely um, a good balance of different genre uh, technique in there, tempo-wise. Um, not a lot of features on there, just a couple. Uh, but more so, this is just um, a James Worthy project. You it's know? a James just Worthy project. More vulnerable than I've ever been on a lot of these mm. records. Uh, more creative as I ever been. Just um, it's been a 
a really, really amazing process thus far. Yeah, yeah. You know, and from the things that I've heard previously, I am definitely looking forward to the things that you're cooking up now. To, and so April 2nd, <clears throat> In the Dark, can't wait to hear that. Yes, sir. In the dark. Even with that record, you know, that record is, uh, it's more of, um, it's, when I made that record, it was, it reminded me of when I was making Blue Leisure, because Blue mm. Leisure is what people, of course, call it dark R&B. So In the Dark is more of that dark R&B sound, but it's like, it's, Definitely more eclectic, but hip hop eclectic, if that makes sense, right? Okay. So it's it's basically talking about spicing things up sexually with your partner, right? So like for example, you might have a couple who, you know, when they're making love, they might like to do it with the lights on or with maybe some candles or whatever. In this song, I'm talking about, well, let's spice it up all the way in the dark. We can't see nothing. All we, all we know is just the vibes, the energy. And we mm. know, we know we're both here to do what we need to do. Yeah, that, yeah. Or or with the TV on, so the kids can't hear you. That oh, too. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking back. What a white man. Come here. Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. But yeah, no. That's 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 a great concept because when you think about being in complete pitch darkness you know what i'm saying and i don't know if it's a complete you know pitch darkness but no lights no candles that was was the intention when i wrote the song yeah we need to be totally in the dark this is this all about right here we we got to feel each other's energy that's right yeah so oh yeah i know i know the video you're gonna do a video today i know that was gonna be crazy crazy i know that's gonna be crazy oh i can see now because i'm a real (laughs) visual person i'm like i can kind of see but anyway that's gonna be dope so April 2nd, In the Dark drops, yes. summertime, we can kind of look for Once a Fairy Tale, and I'm sure it's going to be, yeah. So when it drops, I'm going to plug it in whatever interview or whatever segment's happening, I'm going to make sure they go I and check it out. Please, man, you know, it's, I've, I've been probably working on this album since really the pandemic hit. Mm. So I started really focusing on it probably around March. Okay. Uh, yeah. And uh, still ongoing. So it's, it's definitely been a process. Yeah. See, I like that. I like that it's not rushed. I like that you're taking your time with it because a lot of people just want to rush their project. You know, let me throw in some 808, some drums, a hi hat, some snares, and yeah. a one melody. And cool, I got a song. Let me just put it out. And I yeah. love people who take time with I've their music. You know, a- any release that I put out, I really take my time with it, you know, because I take that very seriously. And I'm super down to the T when it comes to how things sound. You know, mm-hmm. my engine tell you, man, like I am such to the T kind of person. You know, the mix has to be right, vocals have to be right, right. sonics have to be right, you know, all of the above. So uh, that's why I really, really wanted to take my time with this project. You know, not even just just the songs, but just how they sound as well. Yeah, yeah. I take your time, brother. I, I love, like I said, I love when people take their time. Because you, you can tell when music is either forced or rushed, and exactly. it, it doesn't really make for for a great song. So, I know the album's gonna be dope when it comes out. I'm looking forward to it. So, everybody's watching, and those who are gonna be watching in the future, April second, make sure you you check out In the Dark, and then yes. in the summertime, Once a Fairy Tale by James Worthy. Pre-orders for In the it's, Dark. It's Apple Music and Amazon as well. Oh. So, uh, you free order? It's, it's yes. available. Yes, that's what I'm saying. It's available. So, 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 let me switch gears here for here for a moment. So, I heard you say somewhere in, in my research, I heard you say that creating a legacy is important to you. Yes. Why is that? Why is that? Uh, well, I've always had that mindset um, at an early age because I've always wanted to. Uh, continue to inspire people in any facet that they're in, you know what I mean? Whether it's entertainment, music, fashion, whatever it is, like we're all creatives at the end of the day. And my legacy is to not only to create and inspire, but I want to leave something that really helped somebody, you know what I mean? Like my my mission is not just 
about, you know, making great songs, but like, you know, how can we even change the business? You know what I mean? Like, how can it be pro-creative? You know, creators actually owning more of what they create, you know, mm -hmm. getting more revenue of what they create, you know, um, collaborating more in the right ways. You know what I mean? Those are the things that are what I strive for, what I want to be remembered for as well. You know, your your legacy is what people remember you by. Right. Yeah, I mean, you, you got that right. It is what people remember you by. So when they think, you know, 20 years from now and they think about James Worthy, what is that image that you want, exactly. that perception that you want people to, to remember? And not even just people, but your family, your kids. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Your grandkids. Yeah. Anybody that you touched, you know, you want that legacy to be, you know, in the most inspiring as it possibly can. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's always been my goal. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what I, what I used to teach, what I actually used to do teaching back in corporate America was, um, so I, I would teach them, you know, the seven habits of highly effective people. That was one of the courses that I facilitated. And in there, we talk about a concept called the 80th birthday. Frank and Covey, don't sue me because I'm talking about it on, on my show, right? I'm, I'm still certified to teach it, so I'm just saying. Just, But it's something in the, on there called the 80th birthday. So at your 80th birthday, you have all your friends and your family members around. And what do you want them to say about you? How do you want them to recognize you at this particular moment? And what people have to recognize is the fact that however you want people to perceive you, you have to start doing those actions now so that when you get to your 80th birthday, you can, it can be, you know, fully recognized or, or, you know, the culmination at that particular point. So I'll give you an example. So if I say, you know what, I want to be a great dad. Okay. Well, what does that look like? I got to start identifying what a great dad looks like. And then I got to start doing those great dad things. So my sons can then say, dad, you were a great dad. And here's why you were a great dad. Right. And so even from an artist's perspective, they have to start thinking about their career and they want to be at a certain level, a certain place, working with certain people, they have to start making those moves now, those plans now in order for those things to become a realization. So, yeah, I mean, that's, I don't mean to get into my, you know, my organizational development hat, but, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, 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 it's true. I mean, that's a, a powerful message. Yeah. Gems. No. <laughs> But yeah, I mean that that is that is true because you've worked with some amazing people in this in this industry. Justin Bieber, uh, Black, uh, uh, Robin S. Um, man, there's there's and I think the the one I'm the most interested in, in is is Frankie Beverly. Like how did like how did and I don't even know people don't even know who I know who Frankie Beverly is. You know what I'm saying? Like I know that. But, I know Frankie. Oh yeah! Oh, you'd be surprised. Oh wow. my goodness! But I know Frankie Beverly and Mays. But yeah, yeah. Frank, man, Frankie Beverly is. I mean, I look at him as the OG. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? He's like the OGs to me. Real down to earth person. You know what I mean? A lot of wisdom, of course. And um, man, <laughs> it's so interesting how that whole situation came about. So basically, um. I was working on some projects uh, with uh, Corrupt, the rapper, and uh, I ended up making this track that actually sampled Frankie Beverly. So I, when I made the track, uh, and I shout out to uh, K-Rock of uh, PM Don as well. He helped assist me on that track as well. And um, when we did the track, I, I, uh, I sent it to Corrupt just to see what he thought about it. And he went crazy when he heard it. Mm. And he's like, man, you know, we gotta, we gotta get Frankie Beverly on this, man, because it would be so crazy if we could do it. So I'm like, okay, well, let's try to figure it out. So we we got in touch with Frankie and his people, and uh, it was really kind of like that. He he loved the rendition of what I did, and um, we just started working on the song, and you know, we we, we got him in there. And, uh, you know, it, and I started coming up with other things uh, with him as well. So he just kind of embraced the situation. And that's just literally how it came about. Yeah, that's dope. That's dope. That, like, like, he's an OG. And that's, yeah, that's amazing. 
So kudos to you, brother. I mean, kudos, I mean, I mean, kudos to you. So you said spare the moment. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll say kudos to you just in general because your career has been an amazing career that that I've been watching. You know, since since I've since I've heard about you, and it's just been you know one thing after the other, and I've seen you propel yourself and grow into into many different areas. And and we can kind of talk about it offline, but I know I know people that you know, but we'll talk about it offline. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I know people that you know, and we had a conversation. And I was like. Yeah, I've been watching his career, and he's he's putting that work. He's he's that caliber of of artist that can take it to the next level. You know what I'm saying? And so 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 we'll talk about that. You know, we'll talk about that once we're done. <laughs> but uh, but man, you know, I, I just I got just a couple more questions for you. So for you, what has been some of your biggest challenges that you face, and what did you learn from those? Biggest challenges. Uh... I would probably say like in in the beginning of my career it was it was the thing of you know being uh different and not making you know what was popular so it was it was harder for me to work with certain people so that was one aspect but as at certain points you know you get to a point to where things may not be uh moving fast enough or you know uh doors aren't opening enough so to speak so you start doubting yourself and you start getting into a funk and um, for a short period of time, I was going through that, but I pulled myself out because, you know, I had to remember and, you know, kind of get into my James bag a little bit that, you know, hey, I'm James, you know, I'm doing things that some people or a lot of people can't do, you know what I mean? So I, I really had to start putting that that uh, the fire into myself, to, like, give me back my confidence, you know, mm. that, okay, I got to go super, super hard. And I can't let up. Like I have to be consistent no matter what. So I think that's I think that's what people have been seeing from me for the past probably four or five years is just consistency. Like it was mm-hmm. it was like I never stopped or I never let up. So it's probably why even what you just said is the things that you've seen is probably because I never stopped. You know, I never really got in the funk of okay, I'm, I, I'm gonna take some time off or I'm going to stop doing this and doing that. Like I've been hitting the ground running and I never stop, you know? So I think, you know, me having like the, those breakdowns in, in my career and even in, in my life, because, you know, I've lost people that mm. have been very close to me and, you know, been through situations, you know, even just recently, like I lost my mentor, Ecstasy Houdini. Mm. Um, which really, really tough for me. And before he passed, I lost my one of my best friends, Bobby Brown Jr., uh, mm-hmm. which is Bobby Brown's son. And, um, you know, that was really tough on me. So, you know, it was just those situations just gave me a battery pack. I'm like, man, I gotta, I gotta go even harder now. You know what I mean? Just, just because I know they would want me to do it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think people need to recognize, even as you're saying, because we all kind of face those those same type of situations where, I mean, we're living life, right? I mean, we may be an artist, a producer, songwriter, but we, I mean, we're living a life. And in life, we're going to have those challenges. In life, we're going to have those situations uh, where we're going to lose people that are close to us and that are going to impact us in, you know, many different ways. And so you have to figure out how to deal with those and you have to figure out how to, I don't want to say kind of get past it because I don't think you can ever, I don't think you can ever get past it. Like, I don't think I can ever get past the fact that my mom passed 11 years ago. Right. I mean, that's, it's just, but yes, I can, but I can use it as fuel. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's something that's always going to be there and it mm-hmm. happened and, you know, they're a part of you, you know what I mean? But, you you always gotta you you have to keep moving and keep their legacy alive and keep yours alive at the same time because they would want you to continue to thrive that's whether right. they're there you know what i mean and that's what i had to realize too you know what i mean because when when i did lose those two individuals you know it it hurt me you know i can't mm-hmm. even lie it hurt me a lot and you know it still hurts at, at certain times you know but i just had to always remind myself that 
these these guys were in my life for a reason. You know what I mean? And even though that they're gone, I got to keep the James Worthy train moving right. because at one point they were on it. They just they stopped. They got off. Right. Yep. Yeah, and that is that is life. That is life. And I think what you said is 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 the key is that you got to keep moving. You got to keep staying focused. So because you have to continue to tell your story and they are part of that as well. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So man, so let me ask you so so even in that same vein, what advice would you have for anybody that's trying to get into doing what you do? Uh I would probably say, man, learn yourself first. Learn who you are as a person. Learn your your strengths, your weaknesses, which will determine your uh, your bandwidth to be in the music business because it takes a lot. It takes a strong person. It takes a lot of uh, you know strong skin to be in it. A lot of opinions are are out there. A lot of naysayers. A lot of positive energy. A lot of negative energy. So you gotta really, really want it. Like if if you really want to be somebody in the business, you gotta want this twenty four seven, you know, twenty four hours a day, and you can't let up. You have to be consistent in your craft, and you have to learn your craft. So I would definitely say perfect your craft. Always want to learn. There's always something new to learn in the business, and um, I would say probably like business-wise like learn contractual things learn how business businesses ran and learn learn from other people's mistakes too so if you have a favorite artist learn from that artist learn from their mistakes learn from their triumphs and and and, and trials you know what i mean and like try to figure out okay how did they get to their success not trying to be them but learn their their story you know what I mean? And, and mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's right, man. I think that's. I think that's. I think that is so awesome, that you have to you. Mm, and I tell everybody that, like I said, when I used to do leadership training, I would tell people that you cannot lead a team effectively if you're not leading yourself effectively. Definitely. You know what I'm saying? If you don't know yourself, how can you lead other people that you're going to be responsible responsible for? So knowing yourself, knowing, you, you know, your idiosyncrasies, your traits, what you like, what you don't like, knowing who you are as an artist or as a producer or as a songwriter helps you to be a better singer, songwriter, you know, producer, whatever it may be, Absolutely. you know, but Absolutely. learn that business, though. Knowing, knowing yourself sets up everything else. You know what I mean? And, you know, even even, you know, when you when you're in that process, you got to learn how to be smart too, you know, because, and what I mean by that is like surrounding yourself with good people, like-minded people and people that you feel have your best interests because, you know, and sometimes it's a hit or miss, you know, people can disguise things very well, mm. but you know, for the most part, you know, even myself, I'm an energy person. So if, if I feel the energy is not uh, conducive to me in the right ways, I, you know, I, I'm probably going to step away, you know, right. and you know, any any person who's trying to get into the business early on, you know, make sure you remember that because it's, it's a snaky game. It's a snaky game, brother. It's a snaky game, yes, snaky game, you know, and I was telling and I, I told many people this, but I was talking to Solstress on her interview on Monday was like, yo, it's a I, I, I'm always reminded of the DMX segment he did on Def, uh, I think it was Def Comedy Jam. And mm-hmm. they, Russell invited him out to come do some type of segment. Maybe that's what it was, or Def Poetry Jam or something. Uh, but he came out and he talked about a whole segment. People can look it up on YouTube about getting into the music business. And he was talking about, you think you want to be in this music business, but you, you don't know what you're getting yourself into when you get into this business. There's a lot of snakes in this business. You know, you got to have tough skin if you're going to get in this business, because if not, it's going to eat you up, chew, it's going to chew on you, spit you out, and you're going to be done for. And, yeah. Very true. Yeah. So develop, anybody watching, develop tough, super tough skin. You know, learn how to take no's, because you're going to hear a lot of no's before you hear a lot of yeses. So your skin. 
thing was take your opinions and just be smart about your decisions. That's, that's, that's right. It. That's right. Man, James, there's so, there's so much more I want to ask, brother. Like, way more I want to ask. But anyway, but still, uh, let's get it close it out, man. It's, it's been great. Hopefully, I can have you back on uh, when, when once a fairy tale drops. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's going to be dope. But, uh, man, where can people find you? How can they connect with you and with your music? Yeah, so uh, everybody can follow me, all social media platforms, at King James Worthy. Uh, you can find all my releases, all projects, all singles on all DSPs, uh, Spotify, Apple, Tidal, you know, any uh, streaming platform that's available. Uh, let's see. Um, you can go to my website, jamesworthymusic.com. Uh, if you haven't heard the... Um, the current single uh, that's out right now called Goldmine, which features Jay Holiday, that's available. Uh, the music video is available on YouTube. And uh, once again, uh, In the Dark um, releases April 2nd. Pre-orders are now available on Apple Music and Amazon. So if you want a pre-copy, uh, just head on over to uh, my Instagram bio or any of my social media platforms, and the link is right there. Yes. Yeah, so make sure y'all do, because... <laughs> Y'all know. Y'all don't know, but you're going to find out, though. If you know, great. If you don't, you're about to find out. I'm telling you. James, brother, it's been great. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, man, so once again, my man, James Worthy, an amazing artist, producer, songwriter, worked with some great talent. Uh, you heard his story. You heard the gems that he's, that he's dropped during this segment. Greatly appreciate for him. Appreciate him taking the time to come onto the show. Thank you for tuning in. Greatly appreciate it. Have a great evening, night, or whenever you're going to be watching this. Peace.